0: Hello. To celebrate The Secret Library's fifth birthday this month, April 2021, an exciting announcement. Up until now, our private community, The Secret Library Cafe, has only been open to students in my courses, but we're now extending membership to Footnotes and Voyeur subscribers. You can go to com slash footnotes or the link in any of my social media bios to get weekly writing inspiration in your inbox and entry to the most supportive and generous community of writers I've yet encountered. That's caroline slash footnotes to receive your invitation to join. This is the Secret Library podcast. Welcome to season four, The Visible Writer. How can you share your process with others in a way that feels safe? How can you transform into identifying as a writer if you haven't before? We'll be exploring these and other questions this season. We're also excited to make the show more visible. If this episode is inspiring for you, please share it with a friend and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you. It means so much and helps these conversations reach even more listeners. We have a special episode today. This was not planned, But on April 2nd, I hosted a panel called How Did You Write a Novel in 2020? And I interviewed not six, but seven writers who finish drafts of books in 2020 during the pandemic. And the conversation was so beautiful and so thoughtful that I couldn't confine it just to sharing the replay on my website. And I know that many people, including me, generally prefer listening to audio where you can move around through your life doing whatever you need to do, rather than being tied to a desk to watch a video. So it's with this hope that even more of you will be inspired by this incredible conversation that I share the audio of our panel from April 2nd. And we will be back next week with the final episode of the season. I'm delighted to share this beautiful conversation with some really incredible writers. And I hope you're inspired as I was right in the middle of recording it. Okay, so we have a lot that we want to cover. We've got a lot of amazing people here you're going to get to know. And I want to turn it over to them as quickly as possible. So I'm going to start with our first question, which is, how did you feel about the possibility of writing a novel for you before 2020? So what what did that bring up for you, the idea of could I write a novel? Um, Who wants to jump in first? I'm watching your faces to see who is. Sandra, yeah. Hi, so for
1: me, before 2020, the idea of writing a novel was laughable, I think is the best way to put it. Um, I've always been writing, but never considered myself someone who would write a novel. I was very interested in short stories um, as a reader and as a writer. And I was really, really focused on that that world. And so, and for me be, being uh, very much an underwriter, a novel felt um, like a mountain, like something and some a mountain I didn't want to climb. Like I was wanted just rolling hills instead. And so for me, it just felt no, um, was just a big no. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Laughable was before
0: 20 laughable and no laughable loving and it. it. Yeah. Loving it.
2: Who else, Sasha? Uh, such a great question, and I love that it's before 2020 um, because for me, I always thought, oh, and I had, you know, sort of vomited out a first draft of of something which I returned to, but. Uh, I was just desperate to get a job and I was sending out resumes and I was like, I have to earn, I have to earn. And I just was trying to make this corner turn in in my career going from consulting back to uh, having a full-time job. And so I just felt like there's never going to be the time. And suddenly when lockdown happened, all of my clients went away and, um, I, it was just, there was no point in sending out a resume. So I just decided, okay, I'm going to do this. And, um, I, for me really about giving myself that time and feeling like it was okay to, to invest that, you know, my, such a valuable resource of my time into, uh, this imaginary thing, you know, of, of a book. Love it.
0: Thank you. Who else? Lena.
3: Yeah, um, for me before 2020, I had this desire that I wanted to write a book. And I was working on writing a book whenever free time allowed. But there was the other side of does this really need to be done? You know, as a full-time mom and homeschool parent before 2020, I was already homeschooling. There was like there's always something else that needs to be done. So when 2020 happened. I, they, but they butted up. It was like, I need to do this. This is something I need to do. You know, 2020 gave me that realization of, I need to, I have a cat, obviously I'm talking. So he's now knocking things off the table. Um, classic. This was something I needed to do for myself, right. To, you know, it just like it, it rearranged priorities and desire and need finally met. And that really helped, I think, push me over, but I didn't realize the gap was there until that moment when I had to make the choice that, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. You know, it's no longer, uh, maybe when I get to it, you know, which I had been working on it for five, four or five years before I came to this. So it's, it was there. It just wasn't getting done. It just
4: wasn't.
0: Love it. Thank you. Yeah. Catherine.
4: I can follow up on that. So I have written a novel before. Um, this this dream to draft process was doing my a second novel for me. But I had taken ten years to work on the first one. I'm a journalist, by profession. I write. I've written many many short pieces, but to write a full length novel uh, took me a long time, and it got written in little bits and pieces around all my other writing and raising my family and um, just life. So to in 2020, I don't think or before 2020, I had the confidence that I could do something faster and really produce a first draft in a reasonable amount of time. And having written a, for a novel already, I know that the first draft is just the very, you know, very, very beginning of a very long process. So if you can get that first draft out of the way, um, it just it it frees you up to do all the tinkering that's going to come later. And it was just so wonderful to fast track to that point. So I, before 2020, wouldn't have said it could have been done in three months and have a viable product that I would want to keep working on. But that was the big surprise for me with this.
0: Awesome. All right, Sarah.
5: Well, I can piggyback on both Lena and Catherine because I'd been working on mine for in bits and pieces and dribs and drabs for 12 years or something. So for me to say, oh yeah, three, three months. Yeah. Right. No way. Um, so that, that in itself was astounding. Um, but also that, that realization that I was using not writing as the whip that I could use to beat myself silly Mm. That was like such a huge thing for me to to realize that you know, yeah, it's it's okay to say I want to do this and and it's okay to to have that, you know, even if it's 250 words or, or 150 words a day to have that as my own little nugget, you know that was that's what I needed and that was valid that you know so it it just pulls in all these, threads of, you know, lots of different life challenges and, and things. So, yeah.
0: <sighs> Beautiful. But I did it. You did. <laughs> you did. Nicoletta. I've
6: always wanted to write a novel. I never wanted to write short stories. Um, but I was always, until 2018, 2019, I didn't really take it very seriously. I was just like, I have a full-time job. And it's a long hours job as a lawyer. Like I write all day. I don't want to stare at a screen at night. This doesn't work. I need to come home from work and like decompress first. And then it's 9 p.m. And then like, when am I going to sleep? How's this going to happen? I tried taking it more seriously in 2019 a little bit and started thinking that I could possibly actually do this. But it still felt like after spending, I don't know, 20 years in secondary school thinking about it, it still felt like this is never going to happen. Who am I kidding? Why am I doing this? Like, it's a nice hobby of whatever. It didn't feel... And even though I was working with Caroline, who made me try to make it... made me want to take it seriously, I still felt there was this massive block of, like, there's all this other stuff in life that is just, as Lena was saying, taking up time and needs doing. And as Sasha was saying, like, money needs to be earned and mortgages need to be paid. And that I think that changed in 2020 because... While I am still full time employed, even if I'm working from home, nothing else is there anymore. Right? There are no. I live in London. There were no friends to meet. There were no trips to take. There was no museum to visit. There was no theatre to go to. There still isn't. <laughs> so there's all this. There are more pockets of time than there have ever been before.
7: I would um, second so much of what I've heard there, um, but particularly what Nicoletta was saying. And I think that there, for me, there was a huge disconnect between this idea I had of myself as being someone who would write a book and then someone who actually did anything about it because I would just create so many reasons not to or I would give myself lots of excuses for, well, I don't have a good enough idea. I don't have this. I don't have that. Um, So, yes, laughable was, a. I mean, an aspiration, but I also would have made myself laugh if I'd have said you know I, I i would write a novel so um i echo everything that everybody else said about 2020 just kind of giving you a bit of space to think and and focus in on something you want to do rather than dealing with life um and allowing that to to, to sort of be in the ascendancy you know to actually prioritize it
0: absolutely love thank you so we're going to move on to our next question And some of you have already started answering it. But if you you reflect back on the experience of going from either struggling with a book, feeling like it took way too long, or feeling like it was laughable to try in the first place, what's the biggest shift that happened for you personally, even beyond 2020 or outside circumstances, making more time, but what what changed for you yourself um, that allowed you to, to stick with it? Um, I'm interested in internal shifts. Yeah. Oh, we got good ones. Nicoletta. And then Catherine. Sorry, Catherine. Um, I guess one
6: thing one big thing was I think that you were offering, I mean, there was an element of you were offering a process to actually write a novel because so much creative writing is in like the world of classes and courses is focused on the short story. And of course, there are similar things and things that tie across stuff but it is just nice for once to have had the option of like, we're actually focusing on the novel and we're focusing on the thing that you actually want to do, as opposed to just all the skills you need. And we're focusing on the short story or, or something else. Um, I think that made a big difference to me. And I guess the other thing was a kind of, well, I, I mean, it sounds really bad, but what else am I going to do? Like there was an element of this year, like <laughs> I can't go visit my family. I can't go visit my in-laws. I can't go do all the stuff I normally fill my days with. So I can work and sit at home and, I am not a very kitcheny person, so all this baking banana bread and sourdough bread that was going on in London was just like there is no way that is happening in this household. So I may as well do something. Yeah, yeah, it sounds very negative, but it was. I thought it was quite
0: an empowering feeling at the time last March. Absolutely, I agree. It's like why not, Catherine?
4: Yeah, I felt the same way. Why not? What else am I going to do right now? And I had come into this on the heels of starting to pitch my first novel, having some success and interest, and then some rejections that kind of flattened me. And I didn't feel like I could keep pitching on top of a pandemic. So one of the things that got me out of my slump with that was deciding, well, I'm gonna try another book. Do I have something else in me? And I had an inkling for an idea. I write historical fiction and some of the research from my first book prompted uh, this second one. But I think the thing that really shifted for me, and Caroline, you were so good at encouraging this, was to have fun with the process. Uh, rather than feeling like, oh my gosh, I have to get this right from the beginning, just have fun, especially with the first draft, so that that you enjoy the creative process that goes as it goes along, rather than trying to get it right. And I think I learned that from the first book, but I especially practiced it with your help that it didn't matter if this was good or even plausible. I just need to have fun doing it. And eventually I could work out the keys.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I mean, writing a book is a crazy thing to do. I think we all present can agree that there's there's something kind of bizarre about being alone, focusing on something for years. We don't entirely know what the result is. So if we're going to do that, I mean, it's kind of horrible to not have fun in the process, I think. Um, Unless you really enjoy not having fun, in which case I'm not going to take that away from you. (laughs) Does anyone else want to answer about the big shift? Yeah, Sasha, before we go on. Okay, Sasha and then Joe.
2: I would add, um, for me, the biggest internal shift was um, dealing with the critic and that internal critic and realizing that Every single one of us in the class had their own version of horrible critic voice. And um, and so for me, making peace with that, finding, you know, you were so great about uh, giving us uh, tools and ways to uh, interact with the critic. And um, I would say that uh, I I'm not sure I've made friends with the critic, but uh, we're on a um, a speaking basis. Uh, But for me, that was the biggest, biggest shift.
0: Right. Yeah, that's a huge win. Joe. I, I, you took the words
7: out of my mouth, Sasha. That's that's what I was going to say. In fact, I found something the other day where I'd obviously made a note of something you said very, very early on, where I was talking about some kind of like, well, what's my target? And I said something about, oh, I am I want to get my short stories to a better place. This was before I started Dream to Draft. And you just said you be careful about that because you're, what does that mean? Your critic's going to keep moving that around. And I completely understand this now, this whole sort of psychological game I've been playing with myself for so long. So exactly as Sasha says, this fact that you have this relationship and this, this voice is now not going to stop me from persevering. Um, is a major, major shift for me.
0: that's so great. That makes me so happy. Mm -hmm. I love it. Any I other? Also, yeah. Yeah. Anna. I was going to say, um,
3: for me, I had been calling myself a writer for so many years. It's something I always wanted to do something I've always done since, you know, elementary school, I was a writer, I did poetry, you know, the whole nine yards. And so for me, it was, I just need to do this. And then Carolyn, I don't know if you said it or if it was a quote, but I have it in the back of my head that I tell my critic all the time. Now, same thing. Tackling the critic was my work does not have to be published to make me a writer. So why not just do it? Why not just get it done? Go to the finish line and accomplishing that. That was the biggest shift was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And you helped me give me the tools and break it down in small, manageable, meaningful (laughs) little increments that felt fulfilling. And so there was like, at the end of the day, my creative side was fulfilled because I did this, you know,
0: gorgeous love. Sandra, did you have a hand? I thought I saw you. I had a little one. Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> it's a little bit big.
1: <laughs> uh, I agree. The The point about conquering the critic or, I guess, coming to terms, making friends-ish, frenemies, I guess, with the critic is, is a, was a huge one for me, too. But the other big thing was um, the support of uh, of all of you and our community of writers. I am someone who needs a lot of emotional support. I know that. I don't need other support. I don't need so much, but emotional support is really big for me. And that was the key thing. That was that's what made the difference for me. Knowing that we were doing it together and being able to, um, within Mighty within our forum, being able to um, use our chat—we call it Chat River—use our chat and um, move through things together was huge. And I, I think that was that was that the critic and the emotional support was really big for me. Um, and on a personal note, the internal shift for me, um, was after my, my son just turned three when my son was born. That was the big shift for me where it was kind of like, wow, you've been thinking about doing this for so long and now what? And it was a huge, I mean, maybe it's an overstatement, but it was seismic. It felt like that big, um, for me. So when COVID hit, when 2020 hit, what was the difference? The difference was I had less time. (laughs) all my kids were home. I mean, he was only two, but my daughter is five and like they were home and it was this sense of kind of pushback against it. So not against them, but against the situation, like I'm going to do it anyway. And so it wasn't that I had more time, which is so counterintuitive. I would think that it, I always thought I needed all this time. Everything was in the way of my writing. It made me kind of sour a lot of the times. But when I realized that I could integrate writing into my regular life, that was also transformative. That it didn't yeah. have to be five hours every day in a cabin in the woods, like we always talk about, right? <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> I, know. I, I know, and I've talked, I mean, for to to that point i mean when it, when i've had that time i've found it overwhelming yeah like when i've gone and specifically taken a writing retreat i can't do more than 2 hours a day anyway so to know that that's you know that's enough i think is a huge thing yeah yeah okay i'm going to jump sarah i'm going to jump to the next one because I feel like you're gonna have something on this one. (laughs) Um, I just feel it, I can feel it. Um, What do you wish you could tell yourself in former years about the writing process? And I'm thinking of of you, Sarah, because you were talking about working on this book for 12 years. Um, Like, what do you wish you could go back and tell yourself at the beginning of that 12 year process or others of you also, if you have something you wish you could tell yourself? back at the beginning?
5: I, if I may jump in. Oh yeah, you, but I called you out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the floor. Um, because I think I always wanted to be a writer and it wasn't the direction I was encouraged into. Um, the pandemic allowed me to circle back to this piece of childhood desire and, you know, that way of looking at things in a way that, and, and also, you know, going through the process now of having written the draft, it's like, oh, you know, I've, I've always had the, um, the lack of self-esteem, to, to, you know, I always thought, oh, I, I can't do that because I, I'm not good enough to do that. My ideas aren't good enough, you know, I, whatever well, yes, of course, of course you can, you know, sit down and do it. Um, so uh, what do I wish I could have told myself? Just, you know, if you love it and you want to do it, do it. Don't, you know, and, and again, it all, you know, goes to the critic and, and all of those Voices um, that we incorporate literally, physically, um, you know, into our bodies that prevent us from going to that place of committing to what really feels right. I love, I have a writing desk that is my desk and nobody touches that desk except me. And it's got my things on it. And it's my, you know, it's that commitment to myself and my idea and my ability that you all, you know, helped me to get to Um, after many, many, many years of self-doubt and criticism, you know, self-criticism and which frankly is, bullshit um you know and now i have a 300 and some page zero draft and i'm working on a revision so that's what i i would say you know commit to yourself commit to your creativity and that whatever it is whatever create you know if it's writing or you know and i i've learned it in other aspects of my art in my life but i had to you know Dream to Draft gave me the here's your commitment to you and this story and these characters who have been with me freaking forever. And they're just like, lady, get on with it, would you? <laughs> it's like you know, write us down, you know, <laughs> and then move on. Um, so anyway, it, it's just um yeah, it's 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 been a real commitment, a journey of commitment. So Absolutely. I I'm really
6: grateful. Love it. Nicoletta. I think, I mean, I totally agree with Sandra's doing it anyways kind of thing. I don't think I thought that I would have more time per se in the pandemic, but just different time maybe. But I also think um, the one thing I had to learn, and I think I have learned, is that there there is no right way. To do it, and like, I mean, I'm a lawyer. The one creative thing I did most of my life is ballet. There are definitely right ways to do lawyering and balleting, even if you're never going to be a dancer, even if you're like not, you know, sitting on the Supreme Court. There are distinct ways to how to be a lawyer. There are distinct ways to how to do a ballet class, how to behave when you walk in, where to stand at the bar, how to do your exercises. Writing isn't like that. And I think I spent a long time thinking there was a way to make this like there was a way to do it properly <laughs> and if I wasn't doing it properly it, it would never turn into something when really it's just doing it anyway right? and just doing it however works for you and whether that's half an hour in the morning or three hours at night or three times a week as opposed to daily or whatever it is that's all okay it doesn't have to be the way anyone else does it, <laughs> it to, there's no process that a book is going to tell you that if you do this, it'll turn out. But I think it took me a long time to accept that. Cause like I said, everything else in my life doesn't work that way.
0: Beautiful. I couldn't say it better.
3: Yeah, Lena. I would tell myself to trust the words and to remember that what I write down is not set in stone. I'm not carving it into something. It can all change. It's just honoring daily or every like three times a day or three times a week, like Nicoletta said, whatever it is, it's just honoring the words that want to come out of me, the characters like Sarah said that I've, that have been with me that are like, really, I'm tired of being stuck in the river, dying and drowning. Get me out of here. You know, it's just what happens next, you know, and also the curiosity, honor the curiosity. What? wanting to know what happens next that helps prompt me to get me to my desk like Sarah I got a desk it's my space no one touches it you know and that happened during this process too so that that's what I would tell
0: myself yeah awesome Joe.
7: um I I completely agree with all of that and I but I think the only other thing I might have um say to myself would be to to take it seriously and to give it some, you know, to give it proper attention. It's like I I used to be quite good at art when I was at school, but I can't remember anything I was taught. And I, I did some art lessons. Um, I, I live in New York and I'd moved to New York and I didn't have a job. So it's like I did some art lessons and the process showed me how to be better at it. And I got better at it. And so I think I started to think about, well, I can't just expect to magically do something. I have to, I have to take it seriously. So I, so I, I did pay more attention to what other writers were doing or saying and looking for inspiration. I did take a couple of classes so that all of a sudden it's like, well, it's like allowing yourself to do it, but also Giving yourself a chance to take it seriously. Um, and I'm not saying you need glasses for that, but I just think um, it will help you. It's like, how are you going to get better at something unless you you practice it, you hone it, you, you know. And I think I for too long I just wanted something to happen. I didn't, I didn't, ha- you know, I wasn't prepared to put the time in. And I think just keep chipping away, keep keep giving yourself something to to, um, to work towards, um, and be patient with it because it's not going to happen just like that, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think we think it's going to drop out of the sky or by the same token. I think the one that breaks my heart a lot is people thinking that if they don't already know how to do it, that it's too late. And that the people who know how to write books have been somehow anointed and given the secret handshake at some point at school. And that those of us who don't know how to do it yet somehow missed that bit and that it's now impossible. But it really isn't, it really isn't. Um, And if you do, as you say, take it seriously, invest in it, give it space, um, get support. Don't try to do it alone necessarily. I mean, I think for me The biggest thing that happened um, between my 20s when I was first trying to write books and several decades later is um, spending five years interviewing authors for for the podcast and going from feeling like there was a mysterious ability that these people had to, oh no, they're totally normal and it's actually quite a normal thing to write a book that the mindset shift between this is extraordinary, exceptional, and practically impossible to this is inevitable with the right energy and effort put in was huge. Um, And surrounding yourself with people for whom writing a book is normal will change you in ways that you don't even know. Um, That's been huge. Anyone else have thoughts on this one? before we get into some nitty gritty. Yeah, Sandra. Um,
1: It's just a tiny thing, but what everyone's been saying is that I always thought that there was a magic spell, Um, but there isn't a magic spell, Um, which is in a way, it's not a letdown, (laughs) but in a way it's kind of like, oh, so I just have to sit down and do it. Oh, I was an irritated little bit that that's what it was I mean it's more than that but that's really what it is is just sitting down and doing it I mean I don't want to it's a lot of hard work it's very I talk about emotions a lot it's very emotional it's very and so forth um but even though there's no magic spell there is magic in it like the process is incredible and it's you don't have to know how the story is going to end that's on my wall by the way I don't have to know how the story ends I just have to follow this through and you'll I would tell myself, you might be, you'll be surprised by what you discover.
0: There's more happening than you realize. So good, so good. Yeah, I was gonna say, yes, there is no spell, but there is magic and you said it. We didn't set this up people, I swear. Um, I think by, I wanna follow that question with, with one, which is in the process of writing the novel, did you try anything that you thought you would never do in the process of writing? Oh, Lena's like, yes. <laughs> yes. Planning it out. <gasps> doing the
3: cards. The you were all. supposed to do that at the beginning, I was like, oh, I'm such a pantser. I'm an artist. I don't need to plan. I just let it flow. And it's like, just do it. Just trust me. And I'm like, okay. I'm, this is what I signed up for. Um, You know, I like some of these, you know, I thought this was like some magic pill. And so I was like, I got to swallow this down as it comes and just do what she tells me. And it is amazing what the, the magic that happened by doing the cards, because I was three fourths of the way through a novel when I came into this. And I decided I'm just going to let it flow. And it didn't want to come out the way it initially had in these chunks. And just, you know, it has been six years since the first part of the book had been written. That part's not even part of the book anymore. So I'm getting loud because I'm really excited because th- that just, it changed me. It changed. I I have the, a special box for them. And every once in a while, I pull them out and look at them I'm like, this is where it all started, you know? So, um, and some of the cards didn't end up happening. They didn't get in there, but they got me going in the beginning. And that, that just. That threw me. I mean, it was it was perfect. So yeah.
4: I love it. I love it. Yeah, Catherine. I would say the thing that um, I didn't think I would necessarily enjoy was the community. Nothing personal, all of you, but I really am more of a lone wolf writer. I'm an introvert. I like to be, I've, I've worked from my home as, like I said, as a journalist for years. It's been a shift this year to have my husband home so that there's other, somebody else back in the house again. I hate sharing my space when I'm trying to write, but I'm learning to get around that anyway. um, The idea of the group being together. Also, I've been in workshops where so much of what you're doing is editing other people's work and listening to their work. And I thought the beauty of this was that I didn't, I'm enjoying the work I'm reading now and subsequent iterations of this, but it's not. All-consuming, and I think the beauty of Dream to Draft was that we weren't reading each other's work, but we were there with each other, showing up. The idea that it would be a motivation to be with other people to write was the the mind blowing part of this. So knowing that other people were going to be there, I'm in California, so I would show up at seven o'clock in the morning, which was earlier than I usually got to my desk, but. Other people were there and so I needed to join them. Um, you know, it was like having a walking partner that I was meeting to go out for um, my daily walk with. Anyway, that was a really eye-opening boon of the uh the whole process was that there was a community depending on me, expecting me to be there, and I looked forward to being with them, and therefore I did write more consistently and um with greater joy, again, back to my first comment. It was fun to do it that way. So that was was the thing I didn't think I could do or wanted to do and really enjoyed doing.
0: I love it. I mean, it's not like writers are known for being extroverts. <laughs> um, I think you're certainly not alone in that. Yeah, I think for a long time we think, oh, I I like spending time alone. I like doing things by myself. I'm very happy hanging out in my imagination. That was always the case for me. And so it wasn't like I was missing being around people. But when I was able to do it with other people, working on the same thing, that it was like having a jetpack that was really giving me some superpowers. Nicoletta did you have something yeah I think
6: it's, it's going to slightly contradict Lena's point but I think that's partially the point of this yes, going to many points else. of view I learned I didn't need to I didn't need to know where my story was going I didn't really need to know like I'm writing a mystery I didn't need to know who was doing it who was the murderer or why necessarily at the start like I had a scene I had an idea for something that piques my main character's interest and then how that develops but I didn't really have the ending until I mean the ending may have still changed recently. But I'm just like you don't have to have a plan. You don't have to like sit down with like this is my 180 or whatever page book and this is going to happen. You can just write. And the other thing I learned, well there's two other things I learned. One is you don't have to write an order. So like even if mm. you don't know what's happening, you can write what you think is the ending tomorrow and then see what, you know, fill in the rest some other time this is the crochet square method right mm. um but also like this is going to sound really basic but it took me ages to accept I still I'm still not sure I fully accept this you get ideas as you write <gasps> like you just sit at home and don't do anything and just live in your head all the time trying to perfect the plot I don't get as many ideas as if I'm actually writing <laughs> um And I may intellectually, I'm sure people told me this for decades and I read this, but I never really believed it. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) such a huge one.
0: (laughs) Such a huge one. Yeah, I think that we we think, and in so many areas of life, this is how we're trained. We're trained, figure it out in advance, have have a plan, and do it right the first time. That's 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 what testing is about. That's what much of our training is, is we're trained to approach things this way. But writing doesn't work that way. I find that even if I have a plan, it can be a loose plan and that things change and that you have a loose and a flexible plan so that you have room for that and you have room for the unexpected because both you want to have a map and know where you're going, but if you never stop and look at the view, then what's the point of going? So it's this balance of, of having a plan, but being open to what comes up as you go. Yeah, Sasha. Uh,
2: yeah, I, I for me, it was about um, not killing myself like i, I i'm i a i'm an effort person and you know bull in a china shop has been said about me at times and i just feel like I, if i'm not suffering and working my hardest and spending eight hours a day then i'm not really doing it i'm not going to get anywhere and so i would set up these unreal of myself and so for me it was really about lowering my time expectations my output expectations and um having those manageable meaningful goals that we talked about and the the flip side of that too is like well when i actually finish and that was always sort of some vague uh marker i'm going to you know go someplace or i'm going to do something that, but you had this idea of you know inspiration points and rewards and you know like wearing my rewards now i bought myself little rings they're not expensive but um to just celebrate and for me i i would go like at the end of the day i'd like get in a swimming pool and i just like stare at the light on the water and you know be there and and i had ideas would come. And then I could incorporate that into my practice, but to trust that I didn't have to chain myself to my desk until the perfect sentence came out, you know? Oh,
0: I'm so glad. I really hope nobody chains themselves to their desk until the perfect sentence comes out. That is real. If you're doing that, please unchain yourself. Now, if you're, if anyone is chained to their desk, as they're watching this, I please, please undo it. Um, I don't think it's going to get you to the end of the book faster. I don't. I think after after watching a lot of novelists go through this process, um unless you really love being chained to your desk and there's something really delicious about it, it's it's not it's not going to get you where you want to go. Okay. So this has been uh, I'm so I'm so proud of all of you, I must say. I'm so proud of all of you. I'm so grateful to hear from you, even though I've watched you go through this process, I'm just, I am so I couldn't be more excited about this. And uh, so I want to share it with everyone here, you know, people were in varying degrees of having finished a draft, never having done it, thinking it was laughable to begin in the first place. Um, there are lots of different places you can be when you think about writing a novel and, I have been, in, I think all of the ones that were presented here at varying points. And I think the big one was that when I was 25, I had finished a master's degree and my grandmother died. And I haven't really told this story before, but... I think it's, it's, it's one that really changed things for me. So my mother's mother died and my father's mother had died several years before. And I was able to be with my grandmother for the last week. She was in a coma, but I was kept reflecting on stories that I knew about her from her life. And my father's mother in particular, Um, who had died several years before, had all of these things that she wanted to accomplish. And she told me lots of stories about the limitations she faced as a woman trying to achieve these goals. So she went to a classroom as a high school student wanting to take physics. And the teacher said to her, I don't teach girls, get out. Can you imagine? And, And she just, so she faced all of these things and she was an artist, she was a painter. Um, but she faced enormous frustration her whole life, not being able to pursue the things that she really wanted to do. She wanted to be taken seriously. She wanted to work and f- pursue serious goals. And my my mother's mother, who was the one who died when I was in my twenties, um, she was an incredible gardener, but she was never able to be like a, an academic horticulturalist. There wasn't really room for her to do this. She Her role, the expected role, was that she would be a housewife. And when she was a grandparent, my grandfather left. And so she was on her own and had put all of this energy her entire life into this and didn't get to do what she wanted. And so I sat there with these um, at the end of a master's degree, starting to get certification in a career that I realized wasn't the right fit for me, because what I wanted to do was be a writer. And I said, okay am I gonna honor these women who had no choice by not taking the choice that I have? Am I gonna give up on writing when nobody in the world is saying that I'm not allowed to do it? My family isn't saying it. Nobody, the world is not saying there's no room. It's only me saying it's not possible. And so that was when I was about 25 and we are now nearly 20 years later. Um, And during that time, I took courses. took workshops. I got to know writers. I started a podcast. I was a proofreader. I was an editor. I took an auction house publication to print three times a year. I managed a team of writers. I did pretty much every job I could do that was writing related. And what I realized ultimately is that the problem was I didn't believe I was the kind of person either who was allowed to write a book or who was able to write a book because of this secret handshake piece. And I wasn't going to let that stop me anymore. And so I ended up working with a mentor who was tremendously supportive and who treated me as an equal, even though I hadn't finished the book yet he just assumed I was going to be able to do it. And that was my mentor, Simon, who many of the people here have met. Um, And I realized that that's what had been missing, was that I wanted to be treated as an inevitable author. And so I spent 2020 both working on my revision of this novel that I had finished the draft of um, and about to send out and I created a course, which was the course that I wanted to give to my 25-year-old self. And so I created a 13-week program, which is called Dream to Draft. And that is 90 days during which you get support You get an audio lesson, which you can also read because everybody is different in terms of how they like to consume things. But I wanted a message of encouragement to go out to my students Monday through Friday every day, just the way I needed to hear it when I was 25. And so those lessons were created. And then I wanted people not to feel alone. So we have a community forum and I wanted people to be able to ask questions and and hear from me so we meet every two weeks and we have a group call and everybody is able to discuss and see each other much, this looks very similar to the group calls that we had where everyone shares what's going on with them and they are able to talk about what's coming up for them and find that the question that you have, you are never the only person with that question. Um, I have yet to see that happen. And so we shared all of that. And then for those people who wanted more support or who wanted some story, workshopping, opportunities to talk about their story, places where they were stuck, there was an option. Um, I made 10 spots available in each program for people to work one-on-one with me. And people started to finish books. Um, Everyone here is from the first round. We've since had a second round, which is going to finish a week from today. And today we're opening for the third round. And I, my dream, I realized as I thought about my grandmother and my 25 year old, I don't want anyone to feel this way about writing. I want people to feel that it's possible. And my sort of goal for myself is to help my, this is my big number. I wanted to help a thousand people write books. This is my goal. I've got time. I can do this for a while, but, um, if we all benefit by having books out there, if people feel they can't write books, then, then we miss out on that book. And I think there is a sense of scarcity, like, oh, there's not room. There's no room for me. But really now there's never been more opportunities and ways to publish books than there are today. And if you think about it, if you write a book, have you only read one book in your life as a writer? (laughs) I I mean, look at myself, Um, whenever someone becomes a writer, they are just a more voracious reader. So the more writers there are in the world, the more potential readers you have. So I've never believed in this competition or scarcity. I think we benefit from everyone who joins the writing community. And the other piece is that it's not a secret society. Um, it, It was for a long time, the publishing world, but, The biggest shift that I've made is to realize that the more of us write books, we're the ones who are creating the writing world. We are participating in it together. And by writing a book, you become part of what defines what the world of books is. You don't have to learn the secret handshake. You invent the secret handshake by being part of it. And everyone here is part of the secret handshake. And everyone listening can be. So where you can go if you want to check it out, um, we have Early Bird open for the next week and is dreamtodraftcourse.com. So I will put that in the chat for you. And then I see we've got some questions building up. So I want to make sure that we get to those. So it's dreamtodraftcourse.com. Also, fun announcement. Um, We are going to have a teaching assistant in this round. And Sandra, who is here, is going to be our first ever Dream to Draft teaching assistant. And the more of you sign up, the more teaching assistants I get to find. And as you can see, there is an abundance of beautiful people in both this and the course finishing next week who you would be so lucky to learn from. So I'm delighted that this is something else that's going to be added. In addition, um, for early bird, we're going to have a workshop. We always have a a workshop before we start. But I had this, I seem to have these like uh, things that happen, again, when I'm not chained to my desk, when I'm kind of messing around. Um, So in talking about structure and planning, we have talked a lot about structure, but I've always fought at the idea that there is no one structure to define a book. Structure can change. And yet there are helpful principles that can help you organize your ideas. And so I realized um, that there is a way that the tarot and the plot embryo combine. And I am going to be teaching what I'm calling Wheel of Story will be our workshop that will be available to early birds um, before we start. So the course starts on May 17th, and the 15th and 16th, we'll be having um, workshop sessions where I will teach you Wheel of Story, which sounds like Wheel of Fortune in my head, but I kind of love it. I'm like, Wheel of Story. <laughs> um, so that's um, that's the overview of the course. Uh, We have 10 spots for plus. They almost always sell out during the early bird. So if plus, if you want one-on-one time with me, I would grab that quickly because that goes fast. Um, But we have a lot of spots. Okay, so I see we've got questions. Let's get in there because I think some of them are for me and some of them are for you, gorgeous people. Okay. Um, Okay, we've got one from Adan who says, is there anything that's consistently and maybe unexpectedly fun that went with the internal shift of writing. I will I will answer that first. <laughs> Hold that up again, Sasha. Oh, stickers. Oh my God. Yes. Um, I think consistently, I don't know if it's unexpected, maybe the volume of, of oh yeah, pens. Oh, is that a Twisby, Lena? <gasps> Yes. Okay. So stationary love is definitely something and that like any other art form tools matter and you're allowed to have tools that you love. So if you don't believe me, I encourage you to listen to the secret library podcast with Amy from Mark and Fold, because we went on a whole thing about, how you deserve tools you love. So I would say having tools I love is something unexpectedly fun, allowing myself to have those and, and not feel like if I was a real writer, I'd write it on a cocktail napkin with a, with a crappy pencil that's not even sharp. Um, not correct, not correct. Um, I, if I was a real writer, I would get a pen I love and have tons of ink colors that I adore writing with. Okay, so what about you all? Consistently and unexpectedly fun that went with this process. Lena? Um, One of the ideas that you teach us
3: is how can I make this worse for my character? And that was kind of fun. Like, how can I make this worse for her? You know, what is worst case scenario? What can I do here? In, in, you know, it's kind of like flipping the critic. It's like, okay, critic, you always got something horrible that you think is going to happen to me. So let's, you know, channel this to the, and that was kind of fun to see what would come out each day.
0: Totally agree. I think, yeah, embracing your inner sadist is surprisingly fun. Like if you get to the point like, oh, you guys are going to get it today going in and not feeling like, oh, I'm, so, I'm, I'm a horrible person. I can't believe I'm going to do that to these people. No. If you're like, yes, this is going to get gnarly and embracing that. Oh, delicious. Also, Lena, I would say magically receiving a desk from a hit of intuition. I would add that for you. Lena like manifested the desk of her dreams. I, I did. I'm I was blessed. I completely agree. That was a
3: wonderful gift.
0: Yeah, so 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 magically calling in tools that that you need. Amazing. Oh yeah. Somebody wants to hear how you did the desk. Can you tell the desk oh, story, okay. Lena?
3: So I was literally trying to write my book on my kitchen table. No, no, it, there's nothing wrong with that. It worked for a long time. But you know, when I got to the so many words, you know, 1500 to 2000 words a day. And I'm trying to do it with kids and the dog and the people. And I'm like, I'm done. I need a space for myself and I'm going to get a desk and this is going to be the desk. And I just like had it in my mind. And within three days, I found it on um, the Facebook marketplace, place. hundred bucks for this massive Oak desk with all of these little places to put things and hold all the pens and the ink. And yeah, I mean, I have little boxes where I can hide things. And I mean, it was just, so, and it was because I really believe it was because I was in the magic of working and it was like, this is the next step. This is the next tool. I've got to have the desk. So no one's touching my stuff. No one's in my space. You know, this is me. And they would even see me at my desk and like walk out the room, you know, like they knew <laughs> what was going. It became this
0: magic bubble. So it was so perfect. Oh, gorgeous. Okay, we've got a question for Sandra. And anyone else with, with young kids, um, question for Sandra and others with young kids. I loved what you said about doing it anyway. I too have young kids and everything you said resonated so much. I am tired of waiting. What are some of the specific strategies that you found for integrating writing into your everyday life? So Lena, you might have something to say about that as well.
1: Um, so I guess I guess a a number of things. I think the big thing for me was to, as some of us have already said, was to set like what Caroline always advises us to set, um, uh, manageable and meaningful goals and to understand that that is going to change for you. And sometimes my, sometimes my goal was writing for 10 minutes, um, three times a week. I mean, really at some points when the, when my son was smaller, um, I used to do this, I used to do this thing called dryer time where, and this is actually how I started my book, where after I put the kids to bed at night, I would go downstairs. Um, so north I, this is a North American bias. We have dryers for our clothes. So I would put the clothes in the dryer, because your mother, you're doing laundry all the time. I would put clothes in the dryer and um, usually it was like 30 minutes-ish, 20 minutes. I would set the dryer and that was my timer for my writing. And then I would go write. And then when the dryer was done, I was done and I would go fold the clothes and just put it away. And it was, I did a lot of dryer time writing that was really um, productive. But I think the biggest, those are smaller, like more practical things, but I think the biggest shift is asking for help, which I'm not very good at. And I just decided to get better at that. Um, um, My husband, when COVID hit, um, his work ended. And so he was home. And so that was really helpful. Like I wouldn't have been able to write at the level that I did without him. Uh, and my mother lives close by, so she helped too. So asking for help is really, really big. Um and then the bigger shift, I think, is that it mattered that I did this. And so As opposed to before seeing it as this is time away from my children, I'm not a good mother because I'm not with them. And I guess like this is gonna make me cry probably because I'm not with them all the time that means I'm a bad mother, I'm sorry. Um, Yeah, it's actually the opposite. You're a better mother because you're doing it. And I could be more present for them because I put in that time. So that's probably the first thing And then asking for help and then making smaller goals. I went backwards, (laughs) but um, yeah, that was the biggest thing, but you can do it. You can definitely do it. And I was very much of the mind that this is impossible, but with this amazing community of writers and Caroline's leadership and all of that, it is a hundred percent possible. Yes.
3: Beautiful. I'm going to just follow up. Same thing. I would make the manageable, meaningful goals for the week. But then when I wake up in the morning, the sick kids there, this it's like, okay, so what is today? Okay. I had this great plan, but let's just break it down to this. And to remind myself, if I can get 10 minutes in the morning and then I do my other 20 minutes, like drier time, same thing. I mean, I would set a timer for myself and be like, okay, I know I got, you know, these kids take this long to eat lunch and this is my time. And, you know, and so that keep that going, but. What the last part, what Sandra said, that's what I was going to say is it made me a better mom. It made me a better person. I was fulfilling for me. If this was the only thing I did for myself all day, it was totally worth it because I was a better person for it. And everyone around me noticed it. So then they started, like Sandra said, I would say, you know, I need, honey, I need you to take the kids. I got to do this. Today It's 2,000 words. It's 5 o'clock at night. You know, dinner's ready. You guys do your thing and let me have my space because this is what I want to do. And choosing that really helps too. You got to get in the flow with it though. Once you start doing it more than you want it more and that helps.
0: Awesome. Okay, we've got a bunch of questions, so I'm gonna I'm gonna jump ahead to the next one. And Sasha, do you have a a quickie?
2: Uh, Yeah, I was just gonna add on being on the other side with older kids. um, That it's so uh, was Uh so excited when I finished my draft. And, um, yeah, it's just, you, it makes you better. And that whole doing less for me. And then when I w- I could stop and then I'd cook dinner and then I would go away again. <laughs> Great.
0: Great. Yeah. Nicoletta.
6: Just, just really quickly. I mean, that all also applies if you don't have kids, right? It mm-hmm. still makes you a better spouse, friend, daughter, son, friend you know sibling whatever it is your role is in life it makes you makes me a better lawyer i'm less stressed out and grumpy at work if i do something for me you know it's not yes it's important for parenting i get that but i think it, 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 if you're taking the time to do something for you that is important to you it'll make you better in all your relationships probably not just the parenting one if that's not applicable to you
0: agreed totally agree okay i've got one for all of you um We've got a um, question for all the panelists. Where are you now in terms of your novels and what comes next?
7: Um, I am, I think, like a, a good number of us on the panel here, I am working on the second draft of my novel at the moment. I'm probably, um, and that's not just leaping from one to the other. I did another course that Caroline runs to help me kind of evaluate where I was and to work out what needed changing, if anything needed adding. You know that's a, that's a whole other game, but I'm come out the other side and I'm about halfway through my second draft, um, and still enjoying the process and still still believing in my story. Um, I'm still thinking about whether the ending is right and all those sorts of things. So that, that, that the joy of that kind of creation and I still have aha moments, which which I was thinking about early was a consistent thing of fun, but I still have. Have these aha moments where I go, ah, so that's what I need to do. So, tweaking and refining and writing extra scenes and just trying to bring the thing together even more strongly so that I've got a draft that I might be prepared to share with some beta readers at some point. And I'm sorry about the background noise.
0: <laughs> I can hear lots. It's fine. We're in a pandemic. Um, <clears throat> anyone else want to share? Yeah, Catherine.
4: Uh, similar to joe i took the subsequent course from caroline which was very helpful to fill in some of the structural gaps that were there and because so much of what i needed to do after the first draft was research um since i'm i'm doing this historical novel and i didn't have all of those facts at hand it's going a little slower but i'm in the second draft i'd say i'm more of a, a quarter of the way through than half um but enjoying it very much it's It's just so nice to know generally what the story is, and then I can dive into the nitty-gritty of it. So that's where mine's at, and I'm looking forward. I think I've moved out my Scrivener goal. I thought I would have this done by June. I think it'll be the end of the summer before it's done, um, second draft-wise, but I think it'll be a pretty solid second draft, and I'm excited about that.
0: Awesome. Anyone else? Where are you now? Yeah, Sasha.
2: I would add, um, for myself, I, I feel like I was invited because I'm the true imposter, uh, because in the first, I've, I've taken dream to draft now twice. And in the first one, I did a a pilot script. So I was like on my own, uh, you know, adapting all the lessons and whatnot. Um, and so I've, Already gone through um, another draft of that, and I'm planning to return to just uh-huh. set it aside so I could really be fresh with it. And then with the one that I'm oh, am I losing you? Maybe I'll turn off my camera. Yeah, there you go. Uh, maybe that's better. Yeah, um, we can hear you. Yeah, so I, I, yeah, so. I did a pilot first, and I've gone through another draft of that. And then for uh, the dream to draft that I'm doing now, um, I, that was a previous you know draft from many years, many many decades ago. And I'm you know in the last act of that, and you know we have one week left, and I'm you know it's it's the ending. The Best thing that I heard last week was Caroline it just said, just write an ending. So that's what I'm doing. I'm writing and ending of this draft. But yeah, it's ongoing. Awesome.
0: So we can finish this one. I've just got a bunch of questions from people. So I want to make sure that we don't keep you here all night and that we get them answered. Um, So. Sally asks, how do you set the priority for your writing over your everyday life? We talked about this a little bit, but does anyone else have another thought about prioritizing writing? Do it. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously,
5: I never knew that I was a sunrise writer. Um, I set my alarm for 6.15 every day. I putter around, I take care of the cats, I make the coffee and I take my happy little coffee cup and I go to my writing desk and I set a timer. And that, you know, and I do that five days a week. And then, oh, I learned this from Caroline. You can take weekends off. (laughs) So that, yeah. Do it. Do it.
6: Prioritize it. Make mm-hmm. it happen.
0: Yeah. Nicoletta.
6: I think I may have been an outlier here. I write wrote my first draft by hand. And I just, for me, that was really helpful because the laptop is work and legal memos and emails and like boring stuff in that sense. Help. I mean, important stuff, but boring. And the note I and I was also, I think, possibly an outlier in that my stationery is ugly on purpose. I bought the cheapest notebooks I can get and I scribble and my handwriting is illegible and my second draft doesn't really involve me looking at that anymore. (laughs) But the point was just make it something that like, I needed that break for me to be able to do it during the day. I need to have it be very different and I can pick up the notebook and do dry writing time or whatever, but it just has to be, I think for it to work like having your, your own desk or having your own notebook or something that is just very different from what you spend the rest of your day doing it helped me
0: find ways to slot it in. Right. That's a great, that's a great, a great thought. Catherine.
4: Uh, similar to what's been said, but figuring out when you write best, when you're freshest, making sure you get to the desk then, rather than at the end of the, for me, it's earlier, uh, mm-hmm. I do like to write that that whole period that opened up once kids left the house from three to seven is also a really good time. But if I want to generate new material, morning is better. And so knowing that and protecting that, and I think sometimes it's hard in the pandemic, it's been easier to do it daily because I have fewer demands right now. But prior to the pandemic, and I assume as life starts up again, I would take at least two days a week where... Not only I knew those were days I was going to focus on writing, but my world knew that. So friends knew I'm not available for lunches on Tuesday and Thursday. She, she writes. What's with that? You know? But I think you do have to let the outside world know as well. These are, this is protected time for me, and I'm not available then.
0: Yeah, that's huge. I think people will assume you're available if you make yourself available. So I think a huge thing for me has been saying, I don't have to answer email after 30 seconds. You know, I, people will keep for an hour or, you know, an hour or two. So having those kinds of things where it's like, there's allowed to be a buffer between you and the world. I think you can fit more into those pockets. Yeah, Joe. And
7: I was just going to add about, you know, having some flexibility because I know that I built in for a while, I built in a thing where I would have my particular beautiful smelly candle and everything would have to be just so. And then and now I'm, you know, in my writing zone and then I would come up against something which all of a sudden it just wasn't happening. And so actually, like just taking a notebook, which I don't normally write in, I write, you know, I normally write straight into um, my laptop or whatever and 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 being I don't know, being on a train journey somewhere and having my notebook with me. i mean obviously I wasn't doing this in the in the middle of last year, but I was at the weekend. it's like I hadn't written, so I had a notebook on the train and i and I wrote three or four pages. so it's 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 being ready to mix it up if you feel like you've come up against a, a bit of a you know a sort of a block as it were um i i i I realized that if I set too many rules for myself it was going to become a problem. So I I sort of adapt.
0: Love it. Okay. I'm going to jump to, um, this is a good one. Were there any of you who didn't complete your novel within 13 weeks and how did you structure your time after the course ended to continue the dream to draft effect? I love the phrase dream to draft effect. Yeah. Nicoletta. I
6: didn't finish. Um, I think I got so I didn't finish in the sense that I didn't hit Carolyn's word count. I also have no idea what word count I hit because I was writing by hand and I gave up counting. I counted for a few days and figured out that I have roughly 200, 200 words scribbled on the page in very big, sprawling handwriting, and so I can count my pages, And that's but I never did at the end. Um, so my finishing was to be like, do I have the plot of this book? Like, do I know, you know, <laughs> it's a murder mystery. Do I know how many dead bodies there are? Do I know who's doing it? Do I know why they're doing it? Does my main character have a backstory and like a few side plots in terms of her life happening um, alongside the murder investigation? When is it set? Stuff like that. And I had all those like bones of the plot, more or less. Um, And how have I kept going? I. I didn't. I never became a daily writer, even with Dream to Draft and the Daily Word Council. I, I just, it doesn't work. My, 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 my work just does not allow me to be creative in that way. I, I don't, I don't, I've never been able to figure that out, but, um, I write in the evenings after work during the week. I write on the weekends, um, and it is still progressing. I mean, I think I'm on, I'm not sure I'm going to say it's a second draft because it's my first typed draft, but it is definitely. It
0: totally is your second draft. I can totally say
6: that. (laughs) It is, it is, I'm working on a second draft in in Caroline's other course (laughs) at the moment or critique group at the moment. And I think it's, I don't think you can keep, I'm not sure you can keep up the dream to draft kind of. Forever, anyway. I don't know how anyone of how any of you felt who were doing two thousand words a day at one point, or one thousand five hundred at one point. Um, yeah, I'm like, it was never two thousand, you guys. Sorry, I didn't. I'm not sure it. If you did
0: two thousand, that was by choice. I can't do two thousand. But I'm not sure it can
6: keep up necessarily past three months, depending on what mm-hmm. your life is like. Even if you're not like me and you did finish it, and if you did finish it, you probably need to break anyway, and think to think about it, what happens next. So. I think I just had to find something that worked for me and I used Dream to Draft to find a writing structure that worked for me and I just kept that up. It wasn't, I'm sorry, it wasn't Caroline's word counts.
0: It's okay. I don't keep those those beyond that period of time either. Um, And I think it's more important that you find what works for you. So I think it's good that we have a variety of responses to that. Thank you, thank you for that. That's really helpful. Um, okay. So, okay. We've answered that and we've answered that. And then, um, are there any areas in your writing you feel weaknesses in and are working to improve on like description or dialogue? Did anyone feel like, Oh, I really have a hard time with this. Um, and are working to improve thoughts on that. Yeah. Sarah,
5: I, I, just had a big breakthrough writing wise, which I think you come to when you make the commitment to your creativity and and to channel that mysterious, whatever it is. Um, and I've always had an issue with dialogue because I'm an actor by trade. So somebody else writes the dialogue, you know? And so when I get to the dialogue place, I'm like, what? Um, I have to write that? Um, And the crazy thing is now that I'm, now that I'm in it and I'm committed to it and I'm coming to it on a daily or whatever basis, something has shifted dramatically for me where I don't have a panic attack before I have to write dialogue. Um, And then it's like, oh, wait, I can, because I, I know what's going on in the scene. I'm existing in my body as I'm writing and I I know what needs to be said, and I suppose that's also the the gift of having written the whole draft, um, you know, and and seeing that it will. Oh, okay, this is where we're going, and sometimes my little muse takes over, and and we have dialogue, magic. Um, but no, it, I think it it becomes the more you commit to it, the more it's there, um, but. You know, obviously, I still look online and think, oh, I need to take a dialogue writing class or something. But, you know, that'll that'll come eventually.
4: Yep, Love it. Yeah, Catherine. I'd say maybe pacing a little bit um, again, because I write historical fiction. I, I, and historical fiction writers are prone to this. You can do a lot of info dumping you've found some really fascinating little bit and you want to explore that but so much yeah. so
0: that's much. Much <laughs> <laughs> so
4: that's, a, that's a thing i'm more conscious of now is um killing my darlings just because it's it's getting in the way of the story moving along
0: yeah catherine another question um oh we've got two questions coming up but one catherine i think you're actually several of you but in particular since you were at the point where you were pitching. um, Someone asked, would you recommend Dream to Draft if you've already written novel drafts already?
4: Yes, I think so. I think it was really helpful to have this focused time to work on it. Again, I, I wasn't, I was working on a new project. I wasn't working on something I'd already drafted, but I can tell I'm taking lessons from Dream to Draft back into the old project as I revise it I'm back pitching again, back on the horse and uh, you know, I get feedback from agents and I can tell I'm, I'm just getting to the fix faster because I went through dream to draft.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Okay. And then one question that just came through ask, um, are we doing the revision course as a live course again this year? Yes. Um, I do the revision intensive in the fall. So the revision the revision course happens in the fall. I like seasonal stuff and we're in the Northern Hemisphere. So I think of like spring into summer as like the generate the material and then we harvest it and we revise it in the fall. This is my, you know, magic-y way of looking at it. And actually for anybody who wants to do this in May through August, this may be the last time that I do it at that time. Um, because... I think moving forward, we're going to do it once a year in January and I may take the summer to work on my stuff. Um, as much as I love doing this, I am way more interested in all of your stuff and I get super sucked in and I'm all excited about everybody's books. And it's really hard for me to pull away and work on my own. Um, and I'm a, Going to in the next, the rest of April, I'm going to finish my book and send it out. And I've already got another one that's been like waiting for months. And I'm so excited. So I need, I need headspace to get into that. Um, so that's why we're changing that schedule. Um, so that is, I know Sally says it's so hot in Spain in the summer. Someone says, yeah, I know. That's the other thing. I mean, it's even hot in Berlin in the summer. And anyone who's lived in Germany knows, at least in Berlin, we do not believe in air conditioning here. We don't do it. No, no. Does not matter how hot it gets. It is not Los Angeles here. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Okay. Well, this has been amazing. I am completely honored to have had wonderful people here. I'm, as always, so proud of all of you. It's a joy to share all of your insight. Everyone can see how brilliant you are. And, you know, everyone keep your eyes. Pay attention to the names on this screen because I am very excited for when we're reading these books. Every single one of these books is going to be out there for you, and you're going to be so happy when you have it. So check out, check out what's going on. Even if it's not the right time for you to do this, if you're if you're going on your own, you know, find a community, talk to friends, talk about the fact that you're writing a book. I mean, Joe, actually, if I may steal your story. Jo talked about the fact that she was writing a book and two friends were inspired to start writing their own books. So you have no idea what doing this will inspire the people around you. Um, and I just love this. Love, love, love. So I hope you've gotten some a sense of permission and excitement from this time together and feel that it is absolutely doable to write this book, no matter how you approach it. Um, and we're here to help if that feels right to you. So... Thank you for being here, and thank you all for taking the time to share your incredible insight and experience. It's been a joy. And everyone have a, a beautiful weekend. I hope you're I hope you're taking some rest this weekend, everybody, no matter whether you're celebrating things or not. All right, everyone, we got lots of thank yous coming through in the chat, so um, everyone seems extremely happy. You have had ah, lots of eggs it says <laughs> so enjoy your time and thank you for being here
4: have- thank you caroline thanks everyone great to see you again
0: thank you yes thanks everyone thank you so much for listening to the secret library podcast we hope you've enjoyed this week's show you can keep the conversation going by leaving a comment in the show notes at secretlibrarypodcast.com or visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash secretlibrarypodcast. You can also connect directly with me on Twitter or Instagram where I'm caro Donahue. That's at C-A-R-O-D-O-N-A-H-U-E. I look forward to chatting with you there. See you next week. Until then, happy writing.